Well, good morning. As Pastor Jim mentioned this morning, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad the hour time variance did not cause you to miss out this morning. Um, I'm feeling a little bit more rugged. I'm on four hours of sleep deprivation, but that's all right. We came back from California to cold weather. Um, But it is good to be back. We appreciate the opportunity that we had to go out to a pastor's conference out there in California uh, to be around other men of God who love Jesus and desire to see his church grow. So, but Julie and I are glad to be home. It's always good to be at your home church with your friends and family and all that other stuff. Um, it was quite the shock Thursday morning, um, very early my time, but to hear Pastor Bill is out with COVID, unfortunately. And so when we were talking about that, I was like, you know what? I can do it. I'm happy to fill in. So um, and at least one other person here this morning is as well. So I appreciate them for all their clapping when Pastor Jim said I was on. So <laughs> makes, you, makes you know who your friends are. Um, this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be talking about the mystery of Christ here this morning. And I don't know about you, but for me, I love a good mystery. Um, there's something innate within me that if I'm reading Sherlock Holmes or watching Sherlock Holmes or playing the game of Clue or whatever the case may be, I love the thrill of trying to discover who did it. Who's the bad guy? Who did the, the crime here, right? Um, and nothing irks me more than watching a movie or reading a book and within the first few minutes, I know who did it. It's like the class, class old, yep, it was the principal, it was the butler, it was, you know, whoever. If it can hold me to the very end with a twist or a curve that I did not see coming, that's a really good mystery. And there's something innate within all of us here this morning that love mystery to some point, to some extent. And I think it's very powerful to why Paul writes about it in Colossians chapter 2. But just in case you're thinking, oh, Pastor Ryan, there are not that many people who are interested in a mystery or going after something. Um, It came to my mind as I was studying and preparing for this of a phenomenon that occurred a number of years ago and still is occurring around but that is the, the phenomena of geocaching. I don't know if you're familiar with this, and if you're not, I'll give you kind of a, a rundown of what it is. Geocaching is a real-world outdoor adventure that is happening all the time, all around the world. To play, all you have to do is download their app or get a GPS device to navigate to cleverly hidden containers called geocaches. There are millions of geocaches in 190 different countries. So essentially what you do is you get this app or you get these clues, you download them, you print them off or whatever, and you go to these uh, unknown locations to figure out where this Tupperware container is, this box or whatever. Sometimes there's little treasures in there. Sometimes it's just a paper that says, hey, you found me. Sometimes there's like a guest book that sign it, say, hey, here's my bragging rights. I found your thing, right? And so this started back in the early 2000s. And when the website was launched, there was only 75 geocaches at that time. There are now over 3 million of them, and million more being activated all the time. And you can, they come in different shapes, different sizes, different difficulties, hidden in rural and urban settings. Some offer settings for families, some for just children, some for retirees. So the good news is it's for everybody. 
And I believe there are some even around here in Kalamazoo. So after you're all done with lunch today, you can go on an adventure and kind of figure out who did it, right? But there is something in all of us that loves a mystery. To find out what is the hidden treasure or whatever. And, you know, think of like uh, national treasure, right? This is what geocaching basically is, but without the conspiracy theory and probably less dangerous, but it's built within all of us. And it doesn't take much for you to even look at your own home. If you've had children or have children, right? It is built within them to discover, right? And unfortunately for a lot of them, discovery becomes slobbering all over whatever it is. But I'm, I'm willing to bet at some point in your family dynamics, somebody had to ask the question, who got into this? And why is it you, as a young child? Don't touch my stuff, right? But I was just curious, right? It's built within us. And so Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, kind of this mystery for us here this morning. And so, like any good mystery, you got to have a map. And so Paul is going to take us on this road map, if you will, this morning, in three steps to discover what the mystery of Christ is. So have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. And it reads, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so the first roadmap that we're going to see this morning that Paul talks about is that we need to discover the joy of Christ. And that's what he writes about in verses 1 through 3. And like when we jump into a book, kind of midway, we got to get some context. So Paul wrote the book of Colossians to the book of Colossae. And in this letter, Paul is going to defute some different ideologies that are going around the church, and he wants them to be confident of their faith in Christ. And so as he does that, he talks about here in chapter 2, he says, I want you to know, I want you to discover the joy of Christ. It's a mystery. There are things about Jesus that we are going to spend all of our life getting to know, and it is a joy to dive the depths of Scripture to find them. But he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. See, Paul had not visited these people as of yet. And so all of his familiarity with them has been word of mouth. But he writes this letter saying, I am struggling with a heart for you, for a love for you, to know Jesus, and to be confident in him. And so to discover the joy of Christ. And see, for a lot of us here, we're going to spend our entire lives diving the depths of the mystery of Jesus. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter if you're at this for a year, five years, 40 years, or beyond. There will always be some mystery to Jesus, something to discover, something to find, something to dive our lives into. 
And I can't help but think of just, you know, the very basic one to start off with here this morning, and that is that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. If you go, well, Pastor Ryan, that's not a mystery. Well, you didn't pay attention very well growing up in school, right? You can't have 100% of everything and 100% of another thing, right? Everything is built in, and when it culminates together, that is 100%, right? But yet, here's Jesus, fully God, fully man. That's a mystery. How's that work? How's that happen? How can God come to this earth as a baby? How can God, who knows all things, as we read in the gospel, grow in wisdom and stature and favor? That's astounding. It's a mystery. And there are others that we see throughout, you know, when we read about in Hebrews and we read about the fact that Jesus in all ways was tempted and yet without sin. Man, that's a mystery to me because I struggle with sin every day of my life. And so as we get to know Jesus more and we dive the depths of Scripture more, we're going to find that there is a joy because there's always something to learn. There's always something new. It doesn't matter if you read a chapter Every single day, the exact same chapter, you can walk away with something new, something you didn't see, something that God brought to your memory as you work through it. And that is a joy for us here. And maybe for some of us here this morning, you're you're thinking, go, Pastor Ryan, I, I don't have that joy that you're talking about. Or I've lost that joy. And so I want you to hear this morning that there is a great opportunity to rediscover that joy. But it has to be rooted in Jesus. It has to be rooted in the Bible. It has to be rooted in a love for mystery. And there are going to be some mysteries that we will have to walk away with and just say, you know what, it's by faith. I have to take this by faith. It doesn't make sense, but I trust it because it's in the Bible. And one of the greatest mysteries, too, for us here this morning is that we have this Bible, these scriptures, that God superintended to last thousands of years so you may have it today to read it and understand and see the joy that there is in Jesus. That's amazing. And we will find no other ways to dive the depths of Jesus than through the Bible. But Paul goes on and continues there in verse 2. He says, I have this great heart, this great desire, this great struggle for you, even though I've not seen you. And I want you to be encouraged, verse 2, being knit together in love. And so one of the ways that we discover the joy of Christ is that we are joined together. We are joined to each other. Being knit together in love. You might ask the question here this morning, well, how does one knit himself with other people that are not family? And we back up into chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
how we join together at the very base level, one of the ways that we grow in love and affection towards each other is by praying for one another. Praying for one another. One of the greatest joys that I have as a pastor is having the ability and privilege to pray for you on a daily basis. And for some of you here this morning, I don't get to talk with or interact with as much as I would like to. But it doesn't mean that I don't have a heart and desire and a, and a passion for you. And that comes from being somebody who prays for you regularly. That's how Paul was able to have a burden and a passion for the church of Colossae, was to be knit together in prayer by praying and asking for God's blessing in their lives, for praying and asking God to mature and grow their faith. But it also comes in another way for us, and that is by living out the one another's, right? And, and Paul talks about that a little bit in chapter 1. He says that we have prayed for you. We are being knit together. And so I just want to highlight some of these one another's for us here this morning. And one of them is being devoted to one another. You know how to get knitted together? You've got to be with each other praying for each other, serving alongside of each other. And the more that we do that, the more we discover the joy of who Jesus is. And we get to see the joy of others as they serve and love Jesus. And as we do those things, we're growing together in love for one another. You know, it was great being at a conference with other godly men, pastors who love Jesus. And it was great to worship with them. But it's, it's not Berean Baptist Church. It was great hearing other pastors preach, but they're no Pastor Bill. And the reason why I feel that way is because Christ has knitted us together. We are a family here. We are being brought together. We are growing. We are experiencing things of God's kingdom together that nobody else gets to right? Your unique personalities, your unique behaviors, your family dynamics, they all play into the culture of what we are here at Berean Baptist Church, and there's no other church like it on earth. And that's a joy. Comes with some issues, comes with some headaches, but doesn't every family? And you still love them most days. There's some days, where you wonder if thou shall not kill is okay. Still not, but you wonder. We're being joined together. Which brings us to the second point and what Paul talks about in discovering the joy of Christ, and that we, we are giving understanding of Christ. We've been given understanding of Christ. He says there in verse 2, after being knit together, we are to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So as we are knit together, as we are praying for one another, as we're living out the one another's, we are better understanding what it means to love Jesus. And so, for example, again, we're going to go back to the one another's that we see all throughout the New Testament. And there are about 59 of them. Some of them are how we are to interact with each other, and some of them are how we are not to interact with each other. And so I just want to read a few of those here this morning. We talked about being devoted to one another. We are to live in harmony with one another, Romans 12, 16. 
We're to serve one another. We're to speak the truth in love to one another. We're to stir each other up to love and good works. We're not to become conceited, provoking, envying each other. We're not to slander one another. We're not to grumble against each other. All these we see throughout the New Testament. And as we understand more about the joy that we have in Jesus, we understand what it means to live life together. But let's just focus in on that devoted for just a moment because it speaks more to what Paul was talking about with being knit together. If I was to give you an example of what it means to be devoted or what a bad example of being devoted to somebody is, if I came to you this morning and said, man, I am devoted to my wife, Julie, but I don't live in the same house with her, I don't eat meals with her, I don't hang out with her, I don't talk to her, but I I know she lives in Portage, and I think she has four kids, right? Would, Would you sit there this morning and go, man, Pastor Ryan's devoted to his wife. You probably would ask the question, are you guys even married? But if I were to say I was devoted, I mean, at the base level, I'd say, yeah, we like each other, right? That, that's kind of base grassroots there. Yeah, I think she's pretty, right? Base, base roots. But if I'm going to be devoted to my wife, I'm going to spend time with her. I'm going to be around her. I'm going to get to know her. I'm going to learn what she likes, what she doesn't like, so then I can annoy her later. Um, it's all part of love. I'm going to share my highs and lows of life together. We're going to share our finances. We're going to share our home. We're going to have similar goals, similar interests. Not all of them. Right? Star Wars is good. Um, mysteries are good. Chick flicks, eh. Right? But that's part of being devoted. At the base level, we are together. We're doing life together. And so when we think about discovering the joy of Christ and being joined together and understanding more of Jesus at the base level, we've got to be present with one another. And I know there are things that cause us not to be able to be as present as others at times, whether it's sickness, whether it's traveling, or whatever the case may be. But we have to have a dedication to wanting to be around our family, our church, our people, because we cannot live the one another's without one another. Can't be done. And if we are living without one another, we are missing out on the joy of what Jesus intended for us. We're missing out. And so Paul then goes on in verse 3, talking about how we are to search for God's wisdom. And it comes in the scriptures. He says, you want to know the mystery of God, which is in Christ? They are the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you want to know the joy of Jesus, you've got to dig deep into his word. You've got to read about him. John 1.1 reminds us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son, whom the Father sent, full of grace and truth. Want to know the the wisdom of God? You want to know the wisdom of the scriptures? You got to get in them. You got to read them. You got to study them. You got to live them out. 
So if you're sitting here this morning and go, Pastor Ron, I don't have this joy you're talking about, or I've lost this joy, man, dive back into the scriptures. Read the Gospels. Read John. Read Matthew. Spend time asking the question of, who is Jesus? How did Jesus live? How did Jesus act? And how does that impact my life? How do I live out the one another's? How do I pray for my church? How do I pray for those around me? All of these are key essentials to finding the first part of the roadmap to the mystery, to discover the joy that we have in Jesus. But as we discover this joy, as we dive into the depths of who Jesus is, it brings us to the second roadmap here this morning, and that is it solidifies our joy in Christ. The more we discover Jesus, the more we dive into Jesus, the more our foundation is going to be built upon a solid, immovable thing in our life. And I thought a great illustration of this was going to be talking about ice and snow and how that is water that solidifies. But then I thought there's going to be some smart aleck out there that goes, but Pastor Ryan, when it gets warm, and it's going to get warm, it'll melt. So I thought the, the brick wall would be more appropriate because it talks more to a solid foundation, an immovable thing in our life. So Paul says there in verse 4, he says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Again, Paul was writing his letter to defend Christ. He was writing his letter to help these people see that there are a lot of sound arguments out there. They sound good. They look good. In fact, he was combating some that were saying that matter or the physical world around us is evil, but the spirit is good. And there are also some ideologies of angelic worshiping. And Paul is saying, listen, we got to get back to who Jesus was. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. He had a physical, material body. And so if that is evil, then we're saying that Christ had evil in him, and he didn't. So he says that, I, want, I don't want you to be deluded with plausible arguments. And Paul was no dummy. He's not ignorant of the craftiness of men who are out there. That idea of plausible carries the idea of a sound thought or good reasoning. But Paul says it has a terrible source. It's a terrible source. So let me give you an example of what a terrible argument would be. In our household, we are privileged with children, mostly. And it comes out with some pretty funny situations that arise. One of them being... One of our children decided that they would write their name on our wall in our basement. And then when confronted with the fact this occurred, we asked, did you do it? Right? Any, any good parent would ask that question. Did you do it? Here's your opportunity to confess. No. Really? This was a few years ago. She's the only one that could write and reach where this writing was. So I looked at her and I go, so you're saying one of your sisters wrote your name perfectly on the wall where they could not reach. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Terrible, terrible argument, right? At that point, she was caught, and she knew it. Man, Dad, how do you always know these things? Well, logic, partly. Wisdom. This is not the argument that Paul's talking about here, though. This idea that you can get away with some silly, I didn't do it. All the signs point to you. I still didn't do it. Right? These are crafty ideas. And so it, they are like a stream that give appearance of all good. Smell good, refreshing looking. But if you were to dig it back to the spring source, it is rooted in poison. So Paul warns us that don't be fooled by these plausible arguments. These arguments that look and sound reasonable. Because at the source, it's not there. You want to go to the source of what is good, what is reasonable, what is needed in your life? It's Jesus. Go to the scriptures and find him and study him. Paul doesn't tell us to chase after these arguments. He tells us to dig deep. Build a solid foundation in the truths of Jesus, in the truths of Scripture. Because nothing's going to bring greater joy than him. And so often in our lives, we try to build our lives on things that are going to, we think, bring us happiness. And maybe it is or was your retirement plan stock markets, all that sort of stuff. But if you know anything right now, you're probably not super happy with where it's going on. Right? Stock market crashes, all those things happen. Or maybe we try to find our joy in, in entertainment. But the movie ends, and some movies are enjoyable to watch again, but the mystery's gone. The story has been told. Or maybe we try to find our, our joy in relationships. But they'll never fully satisfy. They'll say or do something that will annoy you or offend you. You want a solid foundation. It can only be found in Jesus. It can only be found in Jesus. And so Paul goes on to say, Though I am pre- absent in body, Yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. And Paul is essentially saying nothing brings greater joy than seeing people vibrant in their faith, growing and maturing in Christ. Nothing. It does my heart good when I talk to people who I haven't talked to in a long time. I go, how's life? And they go, well, this is how God's been faithful. It's amazing to watch that occur in the life of people around you. Nothing brings greater joy. Why? It's because our foundation that's been brought to us through Jesus Christ. You might think to yourself, well, how can Paul, who's never seen these people, have such great joy? Well, it's because they are being knit together in prayer. They're being knit together in the one another's. They're being knit together in Jesus. And so Julie and I enjoyed eight days away from our kids. Um, But like any parent, after so long of being away from your kids, on our way home yesterday, we were talking about, man, it's going to be good to see our kids. Eight days of no crying, no screaming, no fighting. Mostly, I, I still may have done a couple of those. No, I'm just kidding. 
But to be home with your kids, seeing them brought us great joy. And why is that? It's because we are knit together. We're brought together. Now, there's that family aspect, yes. But on an earthly level, if that is true, imagine what it is on a spiritual level, where you are living out the one another's, praying for each other, being knit together in Jesus. No greater joy. That's what Paul says. No greater joy. Which brings us to the third roadmap here for us here this morning, and that is that we are to expand our joy in Christ. Expand our joy in Christ. Verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So obviously Paul is picturing a plant here for us, and he echoes back to chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, how he says that if you are living in Christ, you're going to bear fruit. And so Paul says, you know, how do we think of a healthy plant? How does it endure the challenges of life that comes, right? And a plant needs a couple of things. It needs a good soil. It needs water. And some plants need some tender, loving care from somebody around them, right? A pruning or a gardener of some sort to help it along the way. And it needs sun. Those are four basic things to help make a plant survive. Now, if you sit here this morning and you think to yourself, Pastor Ryan, you haven't seen my house plants. There's something else going on there. But you have good soil, water, sun, and care. Your plant should be doing pretty good. And so Paul says, if we are to be rooted in Christ, expanding this joy, we need similar things in our life. And so we need a solid foundation, good soil, which comes through the scriptures. We need somebody who's caring for our spiritual lives. That is God himself. He's called the vine dresser in John chapter 15, verse 1. And I might add, it's good having other people in our lives as well. People who can speak truth, speak people who are there, who are in the daily walk with us, who can walk through the difficulties and help us see areas of our life that need addressed. We need to partake of the water of life, John 4, 14, 7 through 37. Jesus says that I am the living water. If anybody who partakes of me will never thirst again. I can tell you right now, I'm going to drink this water. I'm going to need another one here, probably a little bit later on today. And I'm going to need it again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. I will never be satisfied in my thirst for water, earthly water. But Jesus says that if we thirst for him, if we seek him, we will never thirst again. Why? Because we will be satisfied in him. And again, we try to find satisfaction in so many other different things. But Paul says, dig deep into the truth of Scripture. Dig deep into Jesus, and you will expand your joy. You'll expand it. It will be built up. It will be established in the faith. 
And I want to encourage us here this morning because we may be going through some dark roads, some dark days, or just challenges in our life. We just don't know what God is doing. And this idea of discovering joy, solidifying our joy, and expanding our joy just seems impossible. Let me encourage you to find people around you who can walk that journey with you. And nothing will bring more work in your life than when you're at the end of yourself and you still reach out to others. Because it is within our own weakness that the greatness of God is demonstrated. And so we need to discover Jesus. We need to solidify our walk with him, and we need to expand that joy that we have in Christ. So we need a solid foundation. We need care by the vine dresser. We need to partake of the water of life, which again is found throughout the scriptures, and we need plenty of sun. S-O-N. Because we know we're not going to get plenty of sun today. S-U-N. But we need Jesus. We need him every day, every moment. You might ask your question, well, what's the evidence of a healthy plant then? Paul talks about in chapter 1, verse 10, again, producing fruit. But the fruit that he talks about, we see in the end of verse 7. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It's a thankful heart. It's a thankful attitude. And, and again, this is not some theoretical, I'm floating on the cloud, nothing ever bad happens in my life. You, you only need to take a moment to turn to the book of Psalms. And we read people who have thankful hearts, but go through some dark times. But this is more like a muscle. This is more like an attitude, a mode of how you walk this life. So when you wake up in the morning and your back hurts because you somehow injured yourself in the middle of the night sleeping, which I still don't understand. That's a mystery. Maybe someday it will be discovered. You can wake up and still find things to thank God for. Or you wake up as you're walking down your hall to the kitchen to grab your cup of coffee or tea or water or juice or whatever. With your back hurting, you grab your favorite mug or cup or whatever, and it falls and breaks. You still find something to thank God for. You go out to your car, and it has a flat tire, or the battery's dead, and it won't start. There are still things that we can find to thank God for. It's supernatural. Because it's not our natural bent. That's how you know if you're growing in Christ. It's being able to find things to still thank God for. And maybe you're walking a road right now where you feel like I am just by myself. There's nobody else around me who cares. Dig deep into Christ. Because he does. And he's brought people in your life who care about him, and so they care about you. And so my challenge to you, if you feel alone, is to ask the question, are you reaching out to others? Not if they're reaching out to you, but are you reaching out to others? Because there are going to be seasons of life where we are doing a lot of ministry. 
But there's also going to be seasons of life where we are going to be ministered to. And sometimes we're going to be in the middle of both. But let me encourage you here this morning that if you are walking with Christ, he has given you a great privilege to expand your joy by being around other people as well. And to let them see your walk. And so being vulnerable with each other. So as we wrap up here this morning, again, I want us to really understand that we're not talking about a life devoid of troubles. Right? Scripture is littered with people who had troubles. But they were able to be filled with a foundation of gratitude towards Christ, towards God. It doesn't take much to look then the book of Job. He went through some dark, dark roads. The psalmist, David, went through some dark, dark roads, but yet he was still able to give an attitude of thanksgiving. There are still things that he could thank Jesus for. And at the very end of the day, if nothing else that we can give God thanks for, it's the fact that he's never left us nor forsaken us. He's brought us salvation through Jesus Christ. Again, it's a muscle. Not as much as a train of thought. It's not so much a verbal thing. It is something that we are going to have to work at and work at. But Paul says that if we have been rooted and built up in Christ, if we are expanding our joy in Christ, then the reflection of that is going to be a heart of thanksgiving, which is super challenging because it's not natural. It's not natural of me. I'm sure it's not natural of all of us. But we want to know if we're growing in Christ. Ask yourself, how thankful are you towards Christ for what he's done? So here's my challenge for us. Just kind of a practical application towards this. Um, I want to encourage you over these next few days to read one chapter of the Gospel of John. Read one chapter, Gospel of John. It'll take you 21 days. There's 21 chapters. And as I was preparing for this, I thought it would be really cool that this challenge brought us all the way up to Easter Sunday. But sadly, there's 28 days from now to then. So I was like, oh. So if you want to do that challenge, Matthew is the book. 28 chapters in Matthew. Take you straight to Easter. Start today. You'll end on Saturday before Easter. So if you want to do it, the last day is Easter. There'll be the resurrection of chapter 28 of Matthew. Start tomorrow. But I want you to ask the question, how do I live today as Jesus lived? So you grab your Bible, read the book of John or Matthew, and ask the question, how does Jesus want me to live today? If you do the Matthew challenge, you're going to be really have to think out of the box on day 28 because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. So, going to be a little hard. But as you're reading, just reflect each day, each chapter. See, how did Jesus talk to people? How did Jesus interact with people? How did Jesus think? What did Jesus do in your notebook, in a piece of paper? But don't stop there. Ask the question, how do I then live as Jesus lived? How do I reflect him? How do I discover the joy that is in Jesus? How do I solidify the foundation of Jesus Christ in my life? And how do I expand 
the fact that I know Jesus, expand my joy so that the world around me may see how awesome he is because of the joy that he brings to me. That's the challenge. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the joy that you brought to us through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for our people here this morning and those watching online that you would allow us to see the importance of who Jesus is and what it means to walk with him. God, I pray for those of us who maybe are in need of discovering the joy of Christ for the first time, that you begin that work today. For those of us who are maybe needing to rediscover that joy, Lord, I pray you use this message as a starting point towards that. And Lord, for those of us who have been walking faithfully, that you continue to encourage our hearts with the truth of who Jesus is, helping us to die the mysteries of the gospel and to see your truths as a hope for a lost and dying world around us. And I pray that as we leave this place, we do so as a salt and light that you've called us to. Help us to be a godly testimony of your work in our life to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.